You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us on an all-new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. I am so pumped up right now. I'm so excited to be able to deliver this episode to you today. You picked a great one to dive into. Maybe you've been catching up. Maybe it's your first time tuning in. Regardless of all that, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you. Now, today's guest, entrepreneur, investor, executive, author, and marketing maven disguised as a Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum DJ, producer, and songwriter, today's guest, Clinton Sparks, the CEO and founder of Get Familiar Inc., a marketing strategy and consulting firm helping companies and brands connect, align, and amplify, as well as the CEO and co-founder of Get Familiar Tech, a technology company providing innovative solutions and services specializing in service automation, data analytics, and system and cloud integration. That's not it, though. Additionally, Clinton is the co-owner, co-founder, and CBO BDO of the esports lifestyle gaming brand Xset. He is the owner of the first national monetizable hip hop radio station Get Familiar Radio and co-founder and owner of Boutte, a state of the art women's athleisure line. Now Clinton is a Grammy nominated multi-platinum record producer and publisher responsible for selling over 75 million records. He has won BMI songwriter awards with his C Sparks and Entertainment Inc. Company, as well as a recipient of numerous ASCAP awards with DJ Snake as part of his Get Familiar Music Publishing. Now, Clinton has written and produced hit songs for multi-platinum recording artists such as Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Rick Ross, P. Diddy, Pitbull, Ludacris, Big Sean, Akon, and 2 Chains, and that's just to name a few. He created critically acclaimed projects with artists from Eminem and Kanye West to Busta Rhymes and The Clips, whose We Got It For Cheap series was named in Rolling Stone Magazine's top 50 albums of the year. Now, he also has a brand new book that's out. We're diving into that today, How to Make It Big in the Music Industry. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm really excited to be able to amplify his message on this show, and I'm really excited that you're joining us today because learning from individuals just like Clinton, whether you're in music or not, there is a lot going on here. And there's a lot to be able to digest. So what I'm going to ask you to do before anything is to make sure you're sharing this episode once you realize there's jam-packed value within it, right? Be that beacon for the people in your circle, for the people in your mastermind, for the people in your office, your coworkers, your employees, your staff, whomever, right? Be that beacon for them. Share this positivity. Share this message with all of them. But now without further ado, I bring to you my guy, Clinton Sparks. Clinton, my man, first and foremost, I actually need to say, I just saw this on social. I know we were just talking before the show started, but congratulations. You're bringing new life into this world. I saw that on social, man. That's such a beautiful thing. And uh, really appreciate you hopping on here. I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while, but listen, timing is everything. And I'm glad to have you now, man. I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you very much. First for your uh, congratulations to my new uh, pregnancy with my wife. I'm excited. Matter of fact, she came in with the stick and to show me it was pregnant. And I was like, Oh my God. And I got so excited and we hugged. And then I took a picture and I posted it and she was, she was like, you're not supposed to post it. I was like, I can't contain my happy. So, <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So again, appreciate you hopping on here and to kick off the show, we ask the same question all the time and it's always a different answer, which makes it really beautiful. I'm curious, how do you personally define success? Um, um, who, uh, success to me is being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it with the people you want to do it with. Um, so, and, and being happy doing what you want to do. So, um, uh, yeah. And I've literally have in my mind have been successful my whole career because I've never not been doing what I wanted to do. Um, you know, in my adult life. Right. Um, so yeah, I consider myself to be what the true meaning of success to me is. Um, and I have been for a very long time because I'm not chasing, um, stuff that I think will make me happy or stuff that I think <clears throat> qualifies as success. <clears throat> um, even though, even this book, for instance, right. I wrote this book, like I, if it sold 10 or 10 million, 
to me, the success, one, was writing it, right? The success was, two, people learning from it and becoming better and having more knowledge to, to chase their dreams to help, you know, fulfill their definition of success. Mm. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, success to me is being able, every single day I'm more successful because every single day I help or touch somebody in a way that helps them become better or uh, helps them find their way to being who they want to be or where they want to go. <clears throat> I love that, man. I really appreciate that. So take me through the journey here, right? Like who was Clinton in high school? What was he doing back then? How was he defining success back then? Uh, I've always been, um, an individual. I've always been a loner, so to speak. Mm. Not, not an introvert of loner, but a loner in the sense that I went my own path all the time. Um, I never like, I was never part of like any social circles. I never, it's funny, as popular as I was in high school, which I was probably one of the most popular kids in high school, but at the same time, I was the most lonely. Because uh, I also wasn't the kid that people called on the weekends to come hang out or come do this party or come over here. <clears throat> because I was so marched to the beat of my own drum that I think like even in my adult life, there's been times like one example, um, being a popular DJ on the radio, uh, I had excelled and then got on television and platinum records and traveling the world that a lot of the record promoters that would typically used to call me and, and push records on me like, Hey, we need you to support this. Can you play this on your show? Stop calling me. And I took it personal, like, do they not like me anymore? Like, do I suck? Like, what happened? And then, um, and that's just the insecure side of me, because, you know, growing up, I always felt insecure, like I didn't fit in. So I, it carried with me as I got older. So when I started reaching out to them, I'm like, why don't you call me anymore? Like, why do you guys not ever send me records? And they were like, oh, we thought you were too big for that now. We thought you were too, like, busy. <clears throat> You're doing such big shit. We didn't think you'd want to, like, hear us call you about a record. And it's funny because I, I never will look at myself as too big or too important to one, talk to the people I've always been talking to. And then two, I don't care if it's cleaning the floors in the building or paying for the mortgage of the building or running the business that's being ran in the building. Like I'm going to be involved with all of them. And I want to know every level and I want to have a relationship with everybody at every level. Um, so I, man, I think I lost, when my beautiful uh, wife walked in, I think I forgot, <laughs> and I forgot the main question now. No, you, you you were alluding to it. You know, I just pretty much asked, like, who was Clinton in high school? How was he defining oh, yeah, success yeah. back then? Right, right. So um, I've always been that same kid that, um, even to now, how I'm known for, like, kind of colliding cultures and introducing new industries to each other and understanding how to translate different languages and different sectors and different communities and demographics. I was like that in high school as well. Um, I was a kid that would go into the, the, the lunchroom and I could sit at, you know, the white kid table, the black kid table, the Asian kid table, the table with the kids that are downstairs all day. You don't even know what they're doing all day table. Uh, so like I was cool with everybody and everybody accepted that I was cool with everybody. And the unique thing about that is I could sit at this table, learn some things about, you know, the nerds, and be like, oh man, this Dungeons and Dragons shit is cool or whatever they're doing. And then go over and talk to these other kids that, you know, my hip hop table and talk to them like, oh man, you know that they're into it. And I would connect people in ways that they wouldn't even know that they could be connected because they didn't know these things about each other. It's almost like racism mostly exists because people just don't know. They don't have enough experience in their ignorance of like, oh, that's actually a cool motherfucker. But I've been taught they're not cool because of this, because the way they dress, because the way they look, because the color of their skin, instead of actually going and doing research and sitting down and having a conversation and realizing, why did I ever think this person wasn't dope? Like, they are cool. You know what I mean? So I was the same kid in high school as I am now. I just wanted to make people happy. I just wanted to help people figure things out. And I just wanted to, like, uh, I just wanted to do dope shit and be happy. Well, you've done it, man, and you're still doing it. So I, I love that. I absolutely love it. You're living your dream. So let me ask you this. Did it ever get to you maybe mentally or emotionally to be blazing your own trail, right? And potentially not be cookie cutter, right? I used that word before. Like you weren't cookie cutter, as you alluded to. You were blazing your own trail. Did that ever get to you in a negative way as opposed to a positive? Yeah, you feel, you feel lonely a lot. Yeah. And, and you feel like 
you know, it's just like, even like, as you get older, you start looking at it more as power. When you're young, uh, it affects you in a way like you don't fit in or maybe you're weird. Or why doesn't anybody understand me? Or how come no one calls me for these parties? Or how come, and you're like, what's wrong with me? Right? And when you're young, that's how you look at it. But as you get older, hopefully things happen that make you realize, actually nothing's wrong with me. I'm actually fucking dope. Nobody just couldn't realize that. And I didn't even realize it within myself uh, when you're young. Um, I remember um, because I never fit in, and I was always lonely and like, you know, I, I used to my radio was my best friend growing up. Uh, I wrote a song that actually says everything I know I learned from my radio. And um, which like, I want to put the song out so bad. It's so dope, but it's just like, it's me singing. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Fun. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> uh, but it's such a great song. Like, if anyone knows my career, like I put out a bunch of music with me singing, but like, I just don't, Wait, what am I talking about? I'm about to put out a project in like a month with me singing on it. But uh, anyway, so um, yeah, so there was when I was a kid, I think I was 13 or 14, I heard a song called Me, Myself, and I from De La Soul. Um, and that song changed my life because the video in the song literally injected confidence and power and security in me to realize, like, oh, it is dope to be different. Like, it is cool to be me, myself, and I. Like, most people in the world want to fit in so bad that they outfit themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? So they want to fit what they think is cool by looking at something else, what everybody else is looking at, whether it's the jock in school or it's the popular rapper in the neighborhood or or whatever it is. Everyone, like, flocks to that person and say, oh, I must have to be like that in order to be looked at as cool. But... not realizing like you have a special cool that the masses can't recognize because it's so unique and beautiful that they don't realize it because like you said, they're so used to admiring the cookie cutter. Um, So if you can, you know, what I would suggest to anybody young, especially um, that struggles with um, not fitting in or having what they feel are great ideas and they're misunderstood and nobody gets them is to, use that as a way to empower yourself and realize like, look, when, if you're Superman, right? You're fucking weird. You don't fit in, right? You're Clark Kent. You don't fit in, right? But guess what? You're fucking Superman and you have superpowers that they don't have. You know what I'm saying? So like, do you want to be one of the regular people that work and, you know, at the, at the paper company chasing it? Or do you want to be Clark Kent that can get in a phone booth, put on a cape and go save the world? And it's the people that think differently that have these special powers that they don't realize they have. You know, I have a quote in my book that I say, um, everybody has their own superpower. The problem is they're so focused chasing somebody else's, they never take the time to discover their own. Wow. And, and I think that's like what a lot of people suffer from. Those yeah, man. The power. No, I agree. That's, that's a beautiful quote too, by the way. I love that. I do want to touch on the book in a little bit. I want to keep going through your journey here. Now I'm someone that does their homework, right? So uh, I, I don't know your life in your eyes and in your shoes, but I'm really curious because I could relate to some parts of it in regards to like your parents going through a divorce, having some run-ins with the law. I'm curious, how did you not let that affect you? How did you heal from that to not be a burden to achieving what you've achieved today? You see, the interesting part is in that question is, how did you heal as if I was hurt? Um, mm. So when, when you're a part of something, and, and a couple of things, this is, this is like, it's heavy, so I'm going to try to unpack it. Uh, okay. A lot of people look at like misfortunes or trauma, trauma that has happened in their life as things that have happened to them. Right, and therefore they were affected by these things. And more more often than not, they look at these effects as negative effects, and or anything that's going wrong in their life must be attributed to these things that have happened in their life. Right. So a couple of things. One thing that I always stand by is that it's not your fault. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people carry these things for the rest of their life. Like, why did my dad leave me? Or why did this person beat me? Or why did this person molest me? Or why are these kids hating on me? Or why are these? And like, 
they take that on as like this burden or this this uh, this punishment that they need to carry as if like they played a role in that happening in the first place when they didn't. So one piece of advice I can give is that I was sexually abused when I was young and I remember my mom saying to me that you should really see therapy. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because one day this will catch up to you. And I never believed that that would be the case because why would it catch up to me? I was a part of it. I lived in it in the moment. I know what was happening and I know it wasn't my fault. So what am I going to talk about? That guy's issues? He needs to go get therapy, not me. You know, and, and to this day, it's not something I've ever need therapy over because if you just realize it's not your fault, why are you carrying a burden around over something that you didn't do wrong? You know what I mean? Like, it's their problem and their fault if they were a bad parent or if they didn't treat you right. And that's the other thing. You build a life of what you think it's supposed to be. And when these things happen, you're like, why didn't I have this? And it's like, look, that just wasn't your life because it wasn't cookie cutter, as you say. So there's some special things that happened in your life or some experience that you learned because you had a different, unique life. So instead of worrying like, I didn't have this because of this, think about, but I did have this because of this. You know what I mean? So look at the great things that you become or the great things you can become because of the things you learn. For instance, if my dad's not around, I've learned different skills than somebody else who maybe dad was around. And why is one skill better than the other? You know, I learned how to survive. You know what I mean? Like I learned how to, to uh, be protective of my emotions. I learned how to watch out for scams more. I learned how to like be tough skinned. You know what I mean? But I also learned how to have empathy. You know, so there's a lot of things that I learned. But what if I had a dad that came home every day that worked really hard, was kind of a dick to me, you know, every now and then played catch with me because he was so busy. Is that that much greater of a life if my dad was around? You know what I mean? So people right. like worry about what they think could have been if this did happen that way. But you don't know if it would have happened that way. Your dad could have been a dick. You know what I mean? Maybe it was better your dad did leave. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I know we're talking about this book, but I have a bunch of other book ideas that I'm already working on. And one is called Thanks, Dad. And it's the whole theory of thank you for leaving because I became the man I became because you weren't there. And I get into the psychology of all of that. So if people stop worrying about um, of what could have, should have, would have, and start focusing on what can be, what is, and how you can control that. And another thing that, you know, I've had a conversation with a couple friend of mine one time, and the girl was talking about, I was giving her some advice, and she was like, man, I guess I'm going to start this long road of healing. And I said, that's, your, that's the big problem right there, is that people feel like it's a long road to heal when it's not. It's merely a decision that you can make right now. Right. You can walk out of this door, you can listen to this podcast, and you can literally say, shit, you're right. Right now, I'm deciding this won't bother me anymore. Right now, I'm deciding I'm going to change the way that I respond or the way that I feel or act towards this. It's not a long road of healing and figuring out how to do it. It's a decision that only you can make. That's powerful, man. I, I appreciate the transparency first and foremost. Like that right there is how people resonate. And, you know, you being transparent in that manner, dude, it means the world. And being able to amplify it means the world. So, again, I just want to say thank you before even, you know, asking another question that's, you know, monumental. The reason I do that now, and like I was very, like, I never talked about my personal life up until 2014 uh, for a couple of reasons. One, like you said, running with the law. I never wanted to talk about my issues with the law when I was young for a couple of reasons. One, um, I never wanted a kid to look at me and say, well, look at Clinton Sparks. He did all right. He was a fuck up. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to be a shitty example that did good. Right. Uh, two, uh, which I feel differently now, but and two, I also coming up in hip hop, uh, everybody would always brag about the dirt that they did to gain stripes, the credibility of the street cred. Right. So like, I didn't want to like use the real shit that I did to gain credibility. I wanted to use the dope shit that I do to gain 
credibility. So I wanted you to judge me based off of the skills and the talent that I had and not like the, the, the whack shit that I'm not even proud of that I did when I was young to survive. You know what I mean? So like when I'm out here, yeah, you know, I did this and, and, da, 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 and it's like, why is that cool? I'm not proud of it. I'm actually ashamed of it. So I'm trying to not talk about that shit and trying to like lead with greatness by just being talented and treating people well and doing good business. That stuff doesn't make me a, a better, more desirable person to do business with. Doing good business does. And so that was one of the reasons I wanted to, I, so I didn't share it because of that. And then I ended up doing an um, anti-bullying campaign um, with our Deutsch, uh, Donnie Deutsch's company and Gail Derma, which is like a, a ethnic queen. Um, and during the process of creating it, they, they hired me and commissioned me to, to create the music for it, which, by the way, has like um, over 45 million streams, right? Wow. It was an award-winning campaign. It was called I'm Good by the Mowgli, so I wrote and produced that record. But during the course of doing that, um, we had to get letters from the kids to help inspire the writing of the song. And then it was that year and that, that um event that made me realize, man, like a lot of kids are hurting. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people need help getting out of their own way. A lot of people need guidance. A lot of people need someone that they can relate to whose opinion they value and has a good reputation that can speak out and, and help them uh, figure out why they're not getting better or how to deal with what they're dealing with. So I... I finally came out that year. And then the other thing too, was like, I would watch my dad over the years who was like going to therapy for like, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Right. Uh, and like still not, he's not different. So it's kind of like, I asked him one day, I go, why do you go to therapy for 40 years? Like, what do you talk about still? Like, how are you not over whatever it is that you were going to therapy in the first place for? Right. Um, and, and that's his unwillingness, which most people are like this, to uh, get a handle on it's not your fault, get a handle on it's, it's the past, it's over, get a handle and understand like those people had issues. It's not your issue and you shouldn't make their issue yours, right? So um, I also wanted to like help people see that um, it's not their issue that they should be dealing with and that they can get over with with it and um yeah i'm i feel like i'm just rambling and going on too much like i don't want to no dude listen man it's valuable it's valuable and i appreciate the mindset i appreciate all that actionable actionable and vulnerable advice nonetheless so again i just wanted to say thank you for that you know i'm really curious in regards to your career at what point did you feel like or maybe this wasn't even the mindset because it sounded like you were just doing what made you happy anyway but i'm curious um <laughs> I'm curious, like, like right now, that I was just talking about that acne medicine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, when did you realize, like, holy shit, this could turn into something? Or was that never even a thought? Was it just like, hey, I'm doing what I love to do, like, fuck it, I don't care if anything happens with this? No, so, you know, I was doing music since basically I was like 10 in my bedroom, and then right. started becoming popular in my city. I went talent shows, started producing all like the local artists, and, you know, I was kind of like the man where I'm from. Um, uh, it, but, but, you know, realistically, especially at that time, it's not, it's not real. Like, you're not really going to become famous and successful in music. It's just something you dream about, right? So I was uh, doing, like, a lot of hard labor jobs, moving company to, uh, you know, mattress discounters and a stock guy, um, stock room, to working at UPS. Um, when I got to UPS, I think it was, like, 19... Um, and I was there, I was like, oh, this is going to be my job for life. Like this job is dope. Like it's got good pay, full benefits. I'm working out while I'm working. Um, and I'm an overachiever. Like I'm a, I, I, I work really hard and I became so good at that job that even like the, the supervisors, regional managers, national managers would come in and they'd be like, Hey, Sparks punch in and we go golf. Right. Uh, cause I was really good. Like, and then when I went full time, 
Um, it was, it's your 30 day probation. So, oh my, this is how hard I work. I would try to outdo my own record every day for delivering all the packages. And the union hated me because what unions job are is, is to fight companies like UPS and say, this is a 10 hour shift, right? And they're like, no, you can get it done in seven. And they're like, no, it's 10. And then they, they lock that in the contract. Here comes Clinton knocking it out at nine, eight, seven, six. Right, so they're all getting pissed at me. They're like, look, your guy can knock it out in seven up. It was funny because one day I was driving by all the old timers that were sitting uh, in a field having lunch, and I'm the new kid, so I beat the one like, hey guys, just being friendly. One of them threw me a sandwich at me, like, take a break, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why are they mad at me? Like, I didn't understand at the time, right? So, anyways, I ended up uh, injuring my spine on the 28th day. I was carrying an 85-pound package of some makeshift steps. The steps collapsed, and I, I nailed it in my knee, and I hurt my back. I ended up getting spinal surgery. Um, so I was like, shit, what am I going to do? I can't do hard labor anymore. I didn't, I, I didn't graduate school, and I had no plan B. I was like, I have to make music work. So um, I just went for it. And I was like, and to be honest, I never even thought that I wouldn't make it. You know what I mean? I just, mm. I just knew, like... Another quote in here is like, well, some people sit here and dream and, and hope to make it. I, 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 I forget what the quote's exactly. It's like, I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom not making it. You know what I mean? Like, because I know what it takes. It takes hard work. Just, just go. <laughs> you right, know what right. I mean? Like, uh, and that's what I did. And then, look, I've made millions of dollars with Grammy nominations, sold 75 million albums, worked with the biggest artists in the world, traveled the traveled the world, like, you know, I, I performed from Boston Garden to Wembley Arena, like, there's really not much more I can do as a DJ, like, as, as successful as you can pretty much get, I've discovered and signed DJ Snake, he's one of the biggest DJs in the world, so, like, I've, like, done it all, so it's, like, tap out, like, it's time to move on to other things. Right, so... So, like, it, it, when you said, what's my holy shit moment, I, I still haven't had a holy shit moment. Because it's a constant, it's like stock. Like you just keep going up. You're never like, all right, I'm satisfied with my stock. You know what right. I mean? You always want to make it keep going and going. Like I, every day to me is like a refresh button. So I could raise a million dollars today for my esports team, and tomorrow it's like yesterday didn't even happen. Like I gotta, I gotta make new wins every single day. I love that. Who's an artist you wish you worked with that you haven't worked with yet? Um, well. I would wish to work with Prince, but it, I don't deserve to work with Prince. <laughs> why do you say why, why do you say you don't deserve it? Because uh, he's he wouldn't need my help because <laughs> uh, he's such a musical genius. Um, uh, I, I pretty much worked with whoever I wanted to work with. Um, I don't have a wish list of people. It's more like a, if I'm working on music because my mentality is like, oh, I'm making this for so and so. Mm. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> now, whether they like it or not, I want to use it. It's a different story. But I'm still going to get the mission accomplished by getting it to them and selling them the story. Right. right. I mean? So, and that's like even like Gaga, for instance. Like when we made her music, uh, like one of the songs I do, like it's like Gaga, boom, Gaga. And, like, I had the whole visuals, like, yeah, when you perform, like, the lights on stage, when you come on as your intro, the lights would be like, ga-ga. And, like, I have the whole visual when I have a song from the video to, you know, the art direction to, like, what the, the, the artwork should look like for the cover, how to dance and perform to it. Because I was a dancer and a performer, so I know how to put the whole thing together when I create something. Now, whether people will see it, that's where that originality comes in. Sometimes people just want to keep it very simple or what they're used to. But those other artists that like want to stretch the boundaries, I'm the perfect person to work with because I'm going to think of exactly where you should go next. Right. That's awesome, man. So how are you balancing? You just mentioned, you know, you're, you're still in music. You're an author, esports teams. I, I even think I saw something along the lines of you owning a club. Like, how do you balance that? And, you know, let me throw another question in there. Maybe I already answered it just based off of what I'm saying here. But like, do you believe that you need to be on like, focus on one thing at a time? Like, I'm really curious because I always hear that. People are like, yo, you got to double down on one thing. And then once you lock down that one thing, then you can go to the next thing. Do you agree with that? Well, there's a chapter in my book that says the only, the only thing worse than having no goals is having too many goals. 
Mm. Right. And I think that most people feel like they have to tell you they're doing six, seven, eight things to seem impressive. Um, and the rule of thumb that you just said, obviously, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, which is what a lot of people go by. Right. I work on a higher velocity. I need to be doing multiple things. It's almost like I have too much fuel and I need five cars to put it in. You know what I mean? So uh, people like even Puff one time was like, bro, when do you sleep? And that's Diddy, who like people think he doesn't sleep. You know what I mean? And I just have a capacity to really, if I'm doing one thing, two things, I feel inadequate. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I feel like I'm falling off. You know what I mean? So like I almost have to be doing a lot of things. However, the key to doing a lot of things is making them all make sense and connect to one another. So it's like being like a human SEO, right? So one thing you're doing, driving to the next thing, driving to the next thing, driving to the next thing. Uh, if you're doing like completely different things, like I have a, a pizza shop and then a car wash and then like babysitting service. And then that, like none of those, like it makes sense. You got to like too much, too much focus on one thing that you're taking away from this. But if the fuel you're putting into something goes like this, that fuel is just going to circulate around all of those things that connect. So whenever you put a little bit of fuel in one, it's actually putting fuel in all of them. But there's an art to that, and it's understanding how they connect. It's understanding why they need to connect. And it's understanding how to teach other people why it's so important for these things to connect. So there's a lot of psychology and a lot of semantics and logistics that go into really understanding. This is, this is 20 years of like, me working and figuring this out. However, since I was young, I always understood how to build a brand or make yourself a brand. I always understood how to have multiple streams of income. I always understood good credit. And this is not having a dad or anybody teaching me. This is me just looking at the world. So when people say like, oh man, I don't understand or no one's teaching me. It's like, dude, teach yourself. Like I, I taught myself when there wasn't the internet. You know what I mean? Right now, there's no secrets to success. You want the internet and learn anything that you need to learn and become a master at anything if you just invest the time in learning and that's half of it but then you have to go practice it and experience it because a lot of people think nowadays you get a course you get a book you listen to some you know people online teaching you things like that that's half the battle like yeah you can learn that shit but you're not going to know how to pivot. You're not going to know how to respond to somebody. You're not going to know the different personalities that you're going to deal with on the trail to where you're trying to go with and how to maneuver those or nurture those or finesse those. That's experience. And you'll never get that from somebody that's just that you're just reading a book. Right. You, know, you have to live it. You can't put an old head on young shoulders. So, I love that, man. You can't put a young head on old shoulders. I'm writing that down, by the way. I love that. That's not mine. I didn't, I didn't create that, but it's old head on young shoulders. Old head on young shoulders. Got you. I love that. I love that. So talk to me about this book. You brought it up a few times. Why write this book at this point? Because we're in the most fascinating time and exciting time for people to make money with music and to build a sustainable, scalable career within the music business. There was a time where it was like a funnel. Right. And like you had a couple gatekeepers that would decide if you would be successful or not, or if you're worthy of us to dump money and promote you and put you up in the spotlight. Now we're in a world where like there's no, no, everyone has an entry point to, to make it. Anyone can be, build a brand. Anyone can build a business. Anyone can build a fan base and an audience. Anyone can make money. Anyone. Right. So now with that being the case, the problem with that is although you can do that, everyone doesn't have the tools and the strategies the know-how and the formula to do it successfully, right? So the, the DIY and independent artist industry is projected to be a $2 billion industry by the end of this year. Wow. And there's nobody teaching or educating or guiding this giant community of, no, that's whack. This is how you should be doing it. Teaching them the business. It's even like, you know, you go back to to, it's always been like this in hip-hop. No one was teaching like rappers like how to be financially literate and to take care of taxes and how to invest or what not to do, what, you know, how to network, how to build relationships, and you know, all those types of things. It's happening in the music industry. It's happening in the influencer industry. It's happening in all of these. And now it's happening in esports. You know what I mean? Like these kids are just like super talented and no one's taking the time. They're just trying to milk off them. 
You're just trying to, oh, let's sign them, do some deals, and get money and take our cut. But no one's really caring about nurturing these young talent and teaching them how to be a brand, how to build their business, how to protect themselves, how to be mentally, financially, emotionally uh, sound. No one's doing that, right? And I've always been a champion of that, and I've always been trying to help people since I've been in the business. Um, so this book is your modern-day guide to helping you know, anybody that wants to win big in the music business, whether you want to be a producer, a singer, a rapper, a DJ, a manager, an A&R, a choreographer, a videographer, anything in the music business, a promoter, you want to do podcasts, like anything, this is the book that's going to give you the proven winning formula on how to do it. But also keep in mind, this book is just the beginning of the journey. I plan on uh, being with you guys far past the book. I have a course with over 65 videos. I have products. I have webinars, all types of things. I'm going to continue to help and be there to support and guide for, forever. This is like what I'm going to do from now on. So, uh, and I really care about people. And I really want people to not make the mistakes that I see people make all the time, not get scammed by the simple scams I see all the time, to just get the real deal. I want to be the big brother that like people can come to and be like, hey man, what do you think about? No, 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 here's why you shouldn't do that. Here's why. In my intro, I literally say, in this book, I'm going to teach you how to do more dope shit and less whack shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you gave me a couple examples of how this book relates to just general life, right? It, you know, it's, it's more than just music, which is phenomenal. It relates to people that, and you know, the reason I'm bringing this up, just in case someone's listening to this and like, hey, like I'm interested in this book, but I'm not a music, is this for me? Give me another example as to how this book relates to just general life. Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked that because the principles and values that I teach and share in this book are transferable to any industry, including your personal relationships. So like the underlying message in this book is really don't be a dick. Right. And, and I teach you in so many different ways and stories uh, and lessons in this book, how they can be applied to any business. Um, and it's really building a great reputation. Uh, and it's really building a, a strong, sound foundation to you as a person. How to uh, you know, build a great moral compass, how to build a great reputation, how to make people trust you, how to add value to other people. Like, these are all the things that I teach in this book. And when you hear, read some of these stories, I mean, the feedback I've got, like, I've literally just got every day I get inundated with like, oh my God, I'm totally going to change my approach. Oh my God, now I know exactly what to do with my career. This is incredible. Like, there's so many gems that you give in this book that I never even realized. And it's like, and that's what I was aiming for, to just wake people up, to shift that. It's kind of like when you're used to a system that's been running you just kind of jump into it, you're like, okay, this is how it is. Let me just try to do what I see everyone else doing. And everyone, a lot of people have been misled, misguided, and misinformed. And that's what this book is the beginning of waking you up to like, guys, you really can be extremely successful. However, you need to know the proven formula and let's start there. Because once you understand that, then I'll guide you how to use this formula effectively over and over and over again. It's super scalable mm. and it doesn't end. I love that. So if people could only take one thing away from this book, what would you want that one thing to be and why? Is it the whole don't be a dick or is it something bigger than that? I mean, there's so many lessons, bro. Like one of my favorite chapters is uh, famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of people chase the wrong thing, which is why they don't ever achieve the first question you asked me, success, right? Um, and they don't achieve, listen, there's a lot of like imbalance and misunderstanding of what people's goals are in life. So one of the first questions I ask in here is like, why do you want to be successful? Is it because you think it's going to make you rich? And if you're rich, do you think that that's going to make you happy? Do you think that now that you've made some of your dreams come true, that now you've escaped all your nightmares? You know what I mean? And it's like, so it's really putting in perspective, like let's think about why you want to do this first. Like, what's your agenda and objectives and reasoning? And then once you can fully understand, and like, again, that can be applied to anything. But why am I going to college? Why am I dating this person? Whatever it is in life, you have to really sit and assess it and dissect it to realize, like, a lot of people make the mistake of this. If you find someone that you like, and let's say it's a, it's a girl, a partner, whoever it is that you're interested in, you sit and you think to yourself mentally, or some people need to write it down, like, is this person the right person for me? 
Do they fit the things that I want? Whether it's sense of humor, intelligence, looks, right? Any of, so you sit there and that's how you base your decision whether I'm going to move forward to be with this person, right? Fair to say? Right, 100%. How many people ever stop and say, well, let me think if I'm the right person for them. Do I fit the things that they want? Because without understanding that, you'll never know if you're going to be this because you're selfishly only looking at it from one perspective and it's only your perspective. Right. So you need to understand, maybe you don't have the sense of humor they like. And guess what? Now, we, now this can get super deep, but now when you're thinking about relationships, now if you don't understand that, what the criteria is to make this person happy from the beginning, and then they cheat or something happens later, well, you would have seen it coming if you realized there's some things that you don't fulfill and something this person actually needs to be happy. Right. Like, I can keep going and it just gets deeper and deeper, but like, Yo, Clinton, I got to tell you, man, relationships always come up on this podcast. I'm, I'm going to ask you now, like, what do you find are the keys to a successful relationship? Clearly, you know, you're, you're married, you have a beautiful wife, um, you know, you're just about to bring new life into the world again. I'm curious, like, what do you find are the keys to a successful relationship? The keys to a successful relationship is a couple things. One is communication, for sure. Okay. Uh, not holding grudges, not holding in anger. Um, talking to and not at the person that you're with, um, listening to their point of view and really digesting it, um, not thinking you're right, right, being open to maybe I'm wrong, or it's not even about right or wrong. Maybe there's another way that I'm not used to because most people build grooves in their life, right? And especially as you get older, you get these grooves where people say stuck in your way, right? And these grooves are automatic reactions to these types of things, automatic feelings that, that pop up when someone does this, right? If you can get rid of those grooves, your life is so, dude, you've changed. It's one of the keys to life. Literally, it opens the door to you having a much more happier, fruitful, uh, beautiful life because being stuck in your ways means you're not willing and open to understanding uh, change or evolution or other people's feelings. It means that you're selfish and you think that your way is right or, or you're ignorant enough to, to be open to the fact that, you know, there's other ways to get to happiness that's not the way that you've built in your mind that it needs to be. The other thing I say uh, to a successful relationship is if you find yourself having the same fight over and over again, then you need to really uh, assess yourself because if you know your trigger points of the person that you're with, you know what pisses them off. You know how they receive things that you convey. You know what bothers them or what buttons to press. And you're having the same fight. That means you're ignorant to the knowledge that you have to stop that fight from happening ever again. You already have the map. <laughs> you have the blueprint of how to not have this again. So, Whenever I have a, a fight or an argument in my relationship, I don't ever think like, what's wrong with you? How do you not understand me? Instead, I reflect back to myself and I think, how am I not getting my point across? What is it that I'm not doing right? And when you can assume all the blame and you can and take it back and let it fall on you, guess what that means? You're in control. Right. You know what I mean? And now you can drive the car to you guys getting to resolution and happiness. When you're relying on somebody else who may not have the tools or the skills that you have, if you take the time to build the ones that I've taken the time to build, then like you guys are both just going to be bumper cars. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, hey, jump in my car, I'm going to drive us to happy. And in order to do that, you have to be the leader and the responsible one that takes ownership for everything that goes wrong in your relationship. If you can, if you're strong enough to take ownership, that means you're the one that can fix it. I love that, man. I, I could talk to you all day, bro. Like we could go on for, <laughs> we can go on for hours here. What's a question you wish more people would ask you though? I'm sure you've done a ton of these interviews. You know, what's a question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Um, I don't know if it's a question I want more people to ask me, but one thing that a question that I wish more people talked about or topics was uh, parenting um, mm -hmm. and relationships between parents and their, and their children. 
that's a really interesting and dynamic uh, topic to me because uh, it, it's obviously the the beginning points of what the makeup of this child is going to become, right? right? And and if we're not talking about uh, you know being abandoned or trauma or um, neglect or abuse, um, and I think a lot of adults, some adults are even like not even mindful of the fact that they're doing things wrong. That's causing, you know, negative uh, actions to their kid that's going to make them grow up and become something that's not favorable or be stuck with limited tools to, uh, to manage issues and problems as they get older. Uh, so, so part of me, one of the good things of my dad not being around until I was 15 and my mom having to work two jobs was I wasn't inundated with their way of thinking. You know what I mean? So I was never limited. I was a mind that was like, figure it out. You know what I mean? So like, and now like I'm thrown into like, you know, being molested. I'm thrown in like my mom, we were young. Great thing about my mom too is like my mom's, all her friends were basically black. You know what I mean? And like Puerto Rican and Spanish. And like my mom, we had lesbians living in my house. You know what I mean? We had gay dudes living in my house as roommates. Like one was a cross dresser. You put makeup on it, come out and do shows and spin around like, hello. (laughs) I was exposed to like, all of this was normal to me from a very young age. You know what I mean? Like then being, growing up in the city, seeing crime, seeing like, you know, people doing wrong things, seeing, you know, gang action, like seeing pimps. Like, so like I could get all that stuff, take it in and then kind of, and look, by the way, like everyone says this, including my girl, I'm an anomaly that would kind of take all this and make this big soup and then be, become something great out of it. Like a lot of people don't have that ability and they get sucked into some of that stuff or they're influenced by that stuff and, it, and they'll claim it's all I know. I was a victim of this because of, you know, it's what I was influenced by. It's what you decided to be influenced by. Because mm-hmm. just because you, you're, something's being given to you doesn't mean you have to become that. You know what I mean? And I don't know where I got this ability from, but since I was very young, I would take things in and I would filter it. I had a filtration system naturally that people would, would dump stuff into me, but I would say, okay, that's good. And one, of the, one of the things I did since I was very young, what is it that girls do and don't like about men? So since I was young, I was like, okay, they complain about this, they do like this, they act like they want this, but they really don't want this. So like, I, since I was young, I put together what I thought a perfect man was based off of the data that I would receive from listening to, you know, the subjects, right? Right, right, right. So I worked really hard to become what, by research, would be a perfect man to my girl. You know what I mean? Like, um, at least I tried to be as close as you can be, right? So, you know, no one's perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying I would try to do the best and the greatest that I could be. Um, and, and plus, when I was a kid, because my dad wasn't around, I grew up watching Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, like all these people that were, by the way, I was named after Clint Eastwood. It's my dad. That's so awesome. <laughs> um, Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson were his favorite actors, so I'm Clint, I'm Clint and Charles Sparks. Um, so I, they were, because they were my only role models for what men were supposed to be. And every role that they played in their movies was, you know, keeping people honest, being a good family man, uh, treating people right and doing the right thing. So that's what I thought a man was supposed to be. So I became, you know, what people always flatteringly say to me, you're such a good dude. I became that because it's, it's what I thought was supposed, just supposed to be. So people say, how do you keep yourself from doing this? Or how do you not get pissed off at this? And it's like, I don't even know that there was another way. I thought you were just supposed to be a good dude to people and treat people good. Now I can sound like a, a hypocritical prick because then I'm out here robbing people when I'm young. Right. So what kind of good <laughs> is that? You know what I mean? So it's like, I was like a, a thief with a heart. <laughs> it's just my thing. Like, yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's weird, man. It's like, even I feel whack, like even saying what I just said about the good side of me because it's also super dickish to do the things that I did when I was young too, you know what I mean? But I would never do those things, obviously, as a grown-up, and I would never 
ever do anything to harm or hurt or let anybody else ever be negatively affected. When it comes to business, I will take a massive financial loss before I make somebody feel slighted or before I tarnish my reputation. Because money is not important when it comes to your reputation. Right. I would rather be like, you know what, bro? You can keep the money, man. It doesn't matter. I would rather walk away and know that I did something good and that if all this guy was about was money, then yeah, man, you can keep the money. I'm out. Yeah, man. I love that. I love that. Listen, I want to get you out of here on time. I got one last question for you. If you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, meaning if you were hopping on podcasts, writing more books, um, hopping on stages, whatever you were doing, if you could only give one piece of advice the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. I love it's, it. It's too much advice to give, but overall, it really, if you distill it all down, it comes down to just like, treating people well, treating yourself well, uh, and, and not overlooking the people closest to you that love you the most and um, that are looking for your attention. Uh, and you're looking past that because you're trying to find something that you think uh, you're searching for or will make you happy when you have the happiness right here in front of you. And only, only you can create your happiness and only you can decide uh, what's going to make you happy. Agreed, man. Agreed. Listen, I'm going to have all of your social links, websites, where they can get the book and the show notes of this episode. Winbiginmusic.com. Winbiginmusic.com. Definitely. Book, Damon John from Shark Tank. He wrote the forward. Get familiar. This is the book that's going to help you win big, not only in the music business, but in life. My name is Clinton Sparks. Get familiar. Clint, I appreciate you, man. Thank you again for hopping on here. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Be safe, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it from my guy, our friend, Clinton Sparks. Now, there is a ton of value within this episode. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I want to make sure that you are sharing this with the people in your circle, the people in your masterminds, the people in your group chats, family, friends, coworkers, staff, employees, everyone in between. Make sure you're sharing this good word. Be the beacon of light, the positivity, the education. It's all here. Make sure you're sharing it with the people. Don't be selfish. Don't be the one that holds it back. Make sure you're sharing it. Make sure you're also connecting with Clinton. You can find all of his social links in the show notes of this episode. You could also find exactly where you can get the book, the ebook, everything else in the show notes of this episode. I highly suggest checking all that out. Stay connected with him. He puts up amazing content. I follow him on Instagram. Everything from relationships, everything about business, everything about the music industry, everything in between. It's all out there. It's all accessible to you. So again, make sure you're connecting with him. Everything is in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you're sharing this. Leave a five-star rating and review. Hey, I honestly, forget the five stars. Leave any type of rating and review because this show is all about you. I want to make sure that we're catering to our amazing community members that continuously grows and grows and grows. And we're really grateful for that, but we want to continue to serve. So make sure you're leaving a rating and review, especially if you're tuned in from Apple, iTunes, etc. Until next time, everyone be blessed. Peace.